0: I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and you're in the Transporter Room. This week, a very special member of the Outsports team is joining us in the Transporter Room. Welcome, Alex Reamer.
1: It is an honor to be here, ladies. It is great to be here.
0: It's all on this side of the table, as they said in office space. (laughs) As we move through this COVID-19 nonsense and, and the states are starting to open up, Lost in all of the news coverage is something that's been happening in Idaho in a little bit more than a month. On July 1st, the most discriminatory, most restrictive law targeting transgender Americans that has ever been on the books anywhere in America. One of the people who is fighting to get this law stopped before it goes into effect is Lindsay Hecox. Let's set the coordinates, Carly, for Boise, Idaho. Lindsay,
2: Lindsay, beam on in. Let's just go right out with it. What made you decide that, you know something, I've got to get into this fight and i got to stick my nose into it. What made you put yourself up and get yourself into this fight?
3: Thank you for the question. It was mostly because I had already started doing so much for this case and before it was law. I had gone to the Capitol building multiple times as part of a protest group, and then I just went to watch what was going on in the Senate, in the gallery. And the more I went, the more I realized how much this is gonna impact me if it passes. It's not just, oh, I don't get to run. It's setting the way for more anti-trans discrimination laws in the future. And I had to do my part. I was going to college in Poise State this is a great city of Boise, but the whole state needs to change. And that's why I needed to jump into it. I couldn't let the state set the rules for me. And this is not something that should happen in anywhere in the United States, but I happen to live in Idaho, the one state that passed the law among all the states that tried to. And that's when I realized this is the perfect opportunity for me to really step into my role as an activist.
1: Lindsay, this is Alex Reamer speaking. Um, I loved your piece and I'm just wondering, once you did decide to step in and once it did get published, what kind of reaction um, have you been receiving since your essay was published on Teen Vogue explaining uh, the importance of running and cross country to you?
3: Thank you. That was a really crazy time that I happened to get Teen Vogue interested in my story. And I was—I was so happy to have it published. And the thing was, I just got positive reaction because everyone who was yeah. looking for that was on my side. It was my mom, my aunt, other friends. And they were just, and I bet there are some people who thought, <laughs> that's a load of garbage." But I never encountered any of them.
0: Teen Vogue. How did that all come about?
3: Yeah. So I just got in contact. With them, through my
4: legal team, they probably reached out to them. And when we got it all together of all the people helping me to write and then getting that out to them, it it was really exciting.
0: And what was the reaction?
4: I only heard positive messages from my friends and family. And other than that, I didn't really hear a lot of reaction. I did get some approval from my trans friends in a Discord server of trans people. I was really glad to show them that I was doing something for the good of all trans people. And the Teen Vogue opportunity was amazing. I couldn't believe I got it in the first place.
2: As far as looking ahead to participating in, co- in cross country, what about being, being a collegiate athlete is really firing your passion up. Why do you want to be a Boise state Bronco?
4: Great question. Thank you. I was, so motivated to start running on a team because this past year I was running and not competing is just on my own solo runs. Hey. I grew to feel like I needed something more. And if I'm on that start line with the Boise State uniform and all my teammates by my side, I will be so happy and motivated to do the best I can. If you're not on a team, you don't really get all that competitive juices going, and those really fuel me. Mm-hmm. I love running so much that I'll put my all into whatever race I'm in, and it would just be so exciting as my little high school doesn't have many college athletes. One got to go to Oklahoma State, but that was pretty much it for all the Division One schools. And I didn't even think I was a super pretty athlete, although I was a varsity runner. It would just be such an amazing experience that I pushed myself to get to this point through all my training in the last year.
1: And, Lindsay, one thing that I also noticed in your essay was in one line that especially spoke to me and resonated with me was you said that running gave you solace um, in high school as you were figuring out your identity starting to go through everything, if the bill, if the injunction does not work, and if the bill does get enacted formally in July, um, and other trans athletes are denied that experience that you were given, just what did it mean to you to take part in running, and what do you think it means overall for trans athletes to be comfortable and compete in accordance to their gender identities?
4: My running was a huge part of my life in high school, and I didn't know that I was trans until the very last couple months of high school. But I did know that running was keeping me fit and keeping me healthy and, and just, just happy enough to continue through, although I didn't realize at the time it was just a big placeholder or something in my life that I didn't realize at the time was missing it was my gender identity. And I am really connected. My, passion for running into my day-to-day until very recently when this whole thing started happening and I realized how much they actually are connected. i like to believe that if you're competing in sports, you don't have to think about the fact that you're different as much because you're just doing physical activity and exerting yourself as much as everyone else, you know, just competing to do the best you can. Yeah, the the feeling of doing really great on one of my cross-country races was some of the best motivation in my whole life. I never was super good at school and grades were less of a motivation than running for me, but of course I could translate that motivation after doing really well into my school and into the rest of my life, which is why I think important that everyone gets a chance to run not just
0: this athlete. That's great Lindsay. You know Alex is a really big ally. Um, He's written a piece about why transgender athletes deserve to be um, called underdogs and I think that he brings a new perspective to our conversation that Carly and I don't have because we're both trans but we also both transitioned late in life. I mean in our 40s so If I could, I wanna say congratulations on doing this when you're still young. I think it's wonderful that you were able to accomplish this while still in uh, your younger years. And I'd like you to walk through, even though some folks may not have seen the Teen Vogue article, tell us a little bit about how your transition went, what you went through, what was the deciding factor and what kind of support did you find?
4: Really appreciate that (laughs) note of thank you. And I also realize how lucky I am I'm pretty grateful for the fact that I live in a time that had the word transgender out there enough to get it in my brain. Start so thinking about it, is this me? I always had questions, but it all pretty much started around, at least in my memory, because I don't have super great memory, <laughs> around nine or ten. I found out that I really liked those clothes kind of from uh, borrowing them to my mom. And it was uh, so weird and me I didn't know why I wanted to do this. And whenever she would go it work, I thought oh, is I this was a chance to do. do. this random thing but I don't know why I'm doing it. It's just some kind of urge and continued until I was older and I got my own clothes. I while I was cross-dressing at the time. I didn't connect it to gender identity, but I knew that wearing feminine clothes and feeling feminine was a good feeling to me. And I didn't have the typical puberty-onset dysphoria. I think I managed to avoid most of that. I think I was happy with myself and when I was presenting as a boy, I was all right. But if I got to my room and started dressing up and all, wearing the clothes I liked, it would then start to get in a little bit, which is why I think I mentioned that as looking in the mirror that really showed that I had some dysphoria because I didn't see what I wanted to see which was Complimented by the clothes I was wearing, the women's clothes was perfect. Just the one thing I needed to be fixed was my face. Like, I'm very happy that now after I my mean, HLT treatment has really helped it, feminized it a lot. Anyways, the feelings didn't go away, and I thought they would. I thought it might be a fish or something. I was getting lots of bad messages about what this might be, and like, several therapists didn't give me the right kind of thing to hear, like, you might be trans, and all of you just are doing this for own reasons. And I didn't know that I could even be trans the way I started with wearing my mom's clothes. Then I did some more research online, and it's like the number one way to... Start processing. By the time I got to the last month of high school, it was May of last year, I was able to see college as the light at the end of the tunnel, the road ahead, and so far away from my home, my home state of California, that I could actually transition and come person who no one knew before, that was the main reason I was able to come out to myself because I didn't see a good path in front of me. If I went to my local community college and I wanted to see who I really was, it was only when I knew for certain I was going to go to BSU that I started feeling like, I probably am transgender, I just knew the place to go and express that.
0: I want to say you have mastered your voice. I'm still working on it, (laughs) and you have just the most beautiful voice. So, congratulations on that, too. And I imagine that also was some effort that had to be put in. Mm
4: -hmm. Thank you.
2: Lindsay, I can tell you your story sounds a lot like mine. Growing up, having to figure this out and be an athlete as well. And by the way, I'm a runner and a triathlete. So, I kind of, in a lot of ways, I see. uh, In a lot of ways, I can, uh, I can relate to the things that you've gone through and the things you're about to go through. One thing that, when you get that uniform next year, there's going to be one. There's going to be that one or two voices, and you know that there's going to be there's going to be scrutiny. And one thing you're going to hear is and I wanna know what your take on this on hearing this and how you think you react to it is. Someone's gonna come up to you and say, you know, Lindsay, you're just doing this because you're you're doing this whole transition thing just because you wanna win a Mountain West championship.
4: I don't think those people get to tell me what I'm doing this for. And it's pretty blatant uh, assuming things that I am the only one I can answer to that. I wish they would give me a chance to say all the things I've said, which is I've loved running for as long as I can remember. It's always been a passion of mine. I do it in 45-degree weather. I do it in 85-degree weather. It's just something I've grown to love. It's not about winning, really. It's great if you do good in a race, but I just want to run and the sport that I've Always really been good at, and my whole life revolving around. Just because I'm trans isn't me, you know, I am invalidated from being good. I think I am pretty good, but I, I don't want to be the best. Really, it's basically a call to being hated on. If I'm the first place finisher, then here comes all the criticism. It doesn't matter in a Number number 100 in the whole race of people. It's just a great thing to do if you are into this sport as much as I am.
2: So if I'm understanding it right, the biggest thing for you is you just want that BSU on your chest and you just want to be out there.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also just a statement, the fact that I'd be in the race showing that trans people belong. Now, one thing...
2: Has the athletic department gotten in touch with you? Have they reached out? Has the cross-country program at BSU reached out? What has been the reacts around the campus?
4: I do have emails with the coaches, some of the coaches on the cross-country team, but it isn't specifically, like, what are we going to do with this whole case thing? It's just me asking about the summer practice plan. And now the administration for of athletics directory boys not saying anything and I don't think they should because it's just me and the cross country teams thing. I I don't know if it would be such a big thing to go up to that level. But I I hope that there's are supporting with me and obviously if they you have to let me run from the running I'd pass through, I wonder if they would send me any sort of support or a show of, hey, we know this is going to be hard for you, we'll, we'll help you through this. I'd love that, but I don't know if they'd be actually fun to say something like that or helping not get harassed around campus because I have no idea whether that will happen. I've some people just don't watch the news all that much. They don't really know what this whole thing is.
0: I'd like to ask Richie Epink of the ACLU of Idaho a question. Richie, tell me how you all connected with uh, Lindsay. How did it work out? And are there other trans athletes that are going to be affected in Idaho? Lindsay isn't the only one, is she?
5: Well, as far as uh, Lindsay's involvement, you know, and, and Lindsay's already mentioned this. Um, but you know the, the, the community response to this legislation, and it wasn't the only hateful uh, anti-trans legislation that the Idaho legislature considered or even passed this uh, 2020 session, but the community response was was enormous, and so many people uh, turned out and showed up and called their legislators um, and protested at the state house and Lindsay was, uh, among them and uh, uh, ended up in, in touch with us, and that's how Lindsay got involved with the lawsuit. As far as the, the impact uh, across the state, that that's, that's unknown right now, I think. Uh, certainly the, the legislators who sponsored and pushed for this bill to be passed uh, couldn't provide any examples of where the existing policies in Idaho. Um, both at the NCAA and uh, at the high school level, uh, had posed any problem for anybody. And uh, the number of trans students uh, in high school and in college who want to participate in sports um, may not be enormous in Idaho, but I think that this law obviously uh, is, is, is chilling their participation. And I think there's, there's certainly probably some students who um, aren't out as trans yet, who would like to participate in sports or like to continue to participate in sports. And that's why it's so important that we get this this legislation struck down so that they can they can participate without feeling um, uh, first of all, so they can participate legally and also can can participate uh, in sports at their schools without feeling like they're going to be the subject of the kind of harassment that the legislature has uh, basically encouraged through this law.
2: Richie, with that in mind, what is the NCAA's view on this and what is the Mountain West Conference's view on this? Because according to both, according to both, Idaho's law is dead in the water.
5: That's right. So, you know, Idaho's law is not only contrary to the NCAA's policies, but it's contrary to uh, policies for participation in sports all the way up to the most elite levels, including the Olympics. Um, and so, although we haven't heard from the NCAA specifically as to this case, we know what the NCAA's policy is and the policy uh, allows Lindsay to run
0: this wall. Richie, tell us where things stand. Uh,
5: well, at the moment we um, are um, in the middle of legal briefs being filed on um, uh, both sides. So. We are waiting right now for the state to file a couple of uh, briefs in the case. And then we're headed towards a hearing with the judge assigned to the case on July 22nd. Um, uh, first of all, so they can participate legally and also can can participate uh, in sports at their schools without feeling like they're going to be the subject of the kind of harassment that the legislature has uh, basically encouraged through this law.
1: I want to ask another question directed towards you. Um, since you've been outspoken about this and, as we said, decided to really, you know, kind of become a, a strong voice uh, in this fight, um, what has it meant to see the support of world-famous athletes like Chris Mosier, Megan Rapino, Billie Jean King? Just what does it meant to know that that community is out there and, and willing and waiting to support you?
4: Yes, it's so cool. I didn't really know that I was gonna get so much support because I was in the process of, for trying to prevent the bill from becoming a law. I was going through the, the House, and I was just thinking, "Oh, you know, this is my own little, I, uh, the trans women have the band together in this state to prevent it being passed." And then I did actually realize that we. Have so much support from trans and cis people alike, and it's just uh, an issue of human rights. So many people are coming up to support uh, us and trans people in general. I was not su- super surprised, but just welcoming it and very happy, a little bit excited for <laughs> the fact that I'm kind of a, a little celebrity. I'm trying to be humble about it, but it's, it's just so crazy that I don't... Thing I special and those big names are caring so much about the thing I'm doing.
2: Away from all the magazine articles, all the new all the news, there's still a sport to get ready for. How has train how's training been going through going for you through all this? How's preseason training been going? How have you been training? And what have
4: you been doing? Yeah, so I was trying to follow it. Track routine in the last couple months before I moved to my new location here in Boise proper. When I was kind of close to Eagle before, anyways, I was I was really going for the short sprint kind of workouts and lowish mileage. Now I'm gonna start ramping my mileage up, especially that I think I have a chance to be on this team. I wanna. Be able to do any long run they try having us do, as I believe we are going to have some pretty hefty runs we got to do. I would be all right with 10 milers uh, once every week, and the other days of the week, I would probably start planning for workouts every day. I'm not sure if we would do two workouts a day or not, but. I am currently not doing two workouts a day, so I believe it's just good to get all of it in one go. So I'm doing great on those, trying to make my own workouts until I get a workout plan from some of the coaches. And the Greenbelt is a running trail that goes right by where I live, right by U.S.U. campus in downtown on a river that is beautiful. So I it's an amazing place to run, and a lot of motivation to run still, even though it does get kind of hot.
0: I'll bet it gets hot. Sounds like
2: you've got you're getting some hefty runs in. You're getting some track workouts in. Also, how are you dealing just away from running with with the whole coronavirus situation? How's quarantine life been treating you?
4: Yeah, it's been a, it's been alright. I believe I had my biggest struggles very early on with loneliness and feeling a little bit depressed. And I was luckily able to get out of that, especially after I moved out of the dorms of BSU, which had become pretty empty and sad. We had so much life in those dorms and all of a sudden, there's no one there. In my new place where I am right now, I'm very close to campus, but in an apartment. And I'm liking it pretty well. And I'm glad that I can run still and enjoy that with the coronavirus still going on, ongoing. Some other activities that people really like are just impossible to do. And then I think I've had a pretty good connection with all of my people in my life, my mom and family and friends. So that's that's been great. I'm not too (laughs) bored just liking what I have to do now in the summer compared to the stress that I had in the school year. It was the finals
0: week. I'd like to know about um, something more personal. How old are you again? Remind me. 19. You're 19. Well, I imagine that at 19, you might be interested in other things besides running. Perhaps you're running away from people who are attracted to you and want to take you out and do dating and things. But I guess the COVID-19 thing And so to put a crimp on all that, it's my kids are in your age group and they haven't been able to see their friends since
4: March. Yeah. I love to have low-key social interactions because I'm not really a party person, very much an introvert. But I would love to just have some one-on-one walks and sitting at a coffee shop, just talking. And those are a little bit harder to do as people are either nervous about having close contact with others and otherwise they're just going to be wearing masks and it's just awkward but i would love for that to resume not just for me but for all of the bsu students who are looking for some fun
1: so in general kind of on that uh note as well and i know there's just so much up in the air depending on what happens with the injunction in terms of running but in general i'm just wondering as a college students and young person kind of living through these times as well what what are are, what are you reflecting what what are you noticing about the world and just how are you preparing for what will just be what right now is just a very uncertain fall from a number of angles
4: hopefully by the fall campus opens up again yeah but it's it's just kind of disappointing we have a lot of things to improve upon in response to the global pandemic, but I do wish you could just get the country back and running, and especially for me as a athlete, I would love to be able to do all these races and meets, and some a lot of them are out of state, so they're kind of cool trips that involve running, so I would love I love travel
2: too. When I ask Richie and Jeremy here, while we got them. Um, As far as both of you guys, what, what's the, I mean, what kind of perspectives have you been getting from say other people who work within college sports, like the NCAA and the mountain West conference, what have they reached out at all? Have you been able to get in contact with them? What is the status of the governing bodies in the relation to what's going on right now?
5: Uh, this is Richie. I, you know, uh, we we um, have been having some conversations with various folks involved in, in collegiate sports. I don't. I don't. Uh, I haven't heard anything to suggest that anybody is going to back down from their policies. Um, I don't know whether or not the NCAA or the Idaho High School uh, Activities Association or any other of the organizations will become directly involved in this lawsuit, but I think that their policies, which are uh, far more inclusive than the the bill that Lindsay and we are challenging, uh, will, will remain in place.
2: Now, also just to follow up, what does it meant, Richie? What does it meant for you to get the support that support not only on on HB five hundred but HB five hundred nine that you received in fighting the bills from the business community in Idaho? For example, Cliff Bars openly said we're against it. Uh, groups like Micron and Crucial, who are both based in the in the Big Sky Mountain states both said, we stand against this. What is it meant to have that type of support from business community, especially the major corporations that are centered in around Boise Nampa?
5: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, yes, the, the opposition to this bill was enormous and, and span not only Idaho, but, but across the country, uh, like you mentioned, Cliff Bar and Micron, but also uh, major multinational tech companies from, uh, around the world including Google and Apple and Microsoft and Facebook uh, as well as the current attorney General of Idaho and five former attorneys general uh, who've served Idaho all uh, spoke out and urged the legislature not to pass the bill and the governor to veto uh, the bill I think that that just illustrates and, and underscores um, how the uh, the sponsors of this bill and the proponents of these, kinds of policies that, that close out uh, uh, students who are trans from opportunities in sports and throughout school are, are hanging on to arcane, ancient, hateful ideas uh, whose time has long passed. Um, and we are now in, in 2020, and in the, in the time for inclusive academics, inclusive sports, and inclusive society has, has
0: come. I want to know, what can people do? I think a lot of people see these stories and if they're allies, they're like, oh, I'll share that on social media. That's outrageous. But what can people all across the country who are listening to you right now, Richie, what can they do to help you in this cause? Not just in Idaho, but throughout the country for marginalized folks.
5: What a wonderful question, you know, because this is this is obviously not just a lawsuit. This didn't start as a lawsuit and it won't end as a lawsuit. This is this. This is part of a movement um, not only to to let Lindsay run uh, this fall, uh, but to to make Idaho and the rest of the country a, a far more inclusive uh, place for students who are trans. And so um, they uh, folks who are listening to this can reach out to us at the ACLU of Idaho uh, through our website uh, and our other uh, social media channels online and join this movement, which we are building together with everybody um, involved and not just our organization, but organizations uh, uh, across Idaho and across the country. Um, So reach out to us through social media, reach out to us through our website. We will plug you in because there's a place for you and we'll need you not just now, but we'll also need you come 2021 when this legislature reconvenes and we'll have to see what they do. And hopefully they won't be up to the same sort of um, hateful lawmaking that they they undertook in 2020. But if they are, we will be there and we will be ready to oppose them just as we did this
0: year. Great, great, great. Well, make sure we put this on our Facebook page and our Twitter account. Lindsay, this is called the Transporter Room because Carly and I both love Star Trek and all sci-fi fantasy. I'd like to ask you, do you have a special thing that you've been binging? Or... Are you a fan of any particular genre? Do you read or watch movies or TV? Tell us about your uh, your entertainment interests.
4: Yeah, I I do like, in general, a lot of genres of fiction. I'm not really particular about what it has to be, but recently I haven't really been watching TV, and actually the best thing that I love to watch on TV is sports, especially NBA basketball. Don't we miss it? Don't we
0: all miss it so much?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And and other than that, not really a TV person, but I (laughs) do really love music.
2: Well, I'm just wondering, what are you listening to right now?
4: Through my music listening, it's all over the place, but mostly it's prog rock from the '70s bands that you might know, like Yes, Genesis, Pink Floyd, Rush, and it's always been my passion to listen to music that a lot of people don't know. And basically any old music is great for me too. Seventies or eighties, it's it's all good.
2: Lindsay, I like you already, especially since you mentioned Rush. <laughs> is there a particular rush song that you just really point your finger to and say, Yeah, that's my that's my jam?
4: Oh well just yesterday or two days ago I was listening to Cygnus X one book two Hemispheres. Awesome. Okay.
2: I can tell you though, one of my pre-race songs is Tom Sawyer. Okay. Every sure. race, I have to sure. hear that before. I have yeah. to hear that before every race to get fired up,
0: get revved.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lindsay, uh, another question I wanted to ask you real quick is: we have a theme we parrot out sports. We're all going to relive the sports moments that made us cry. Kind of on that note about missing sports, um, what sports moments do you think of that brings tears to your eyes?
4: In my life or in general?
1: uh, In your life, something you've seen, maybe even a personal
4: experience. uh, Yeah. I didn't cry, but the kind of sad this thing that happened with me is I injured myself in a race at the my senior season of cross country. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but I had a stress fracture in one of my toe bones. The, second like metatarsal bone, and it was only after I had gone to the hospital for heat exhaustion that I scanned it and said, yeah, you have this stretch fracture, and I felt like there was something wrong with my foot because it kind of just hurt every time I stepped after I finished that race, but it, it ended the season, and I was likely to be a varsity runner for the CAS, and then at the end of that time I was going to state. You'd get to go on that trip to state that it was really cool. We went to Fresno, California, all the way from our little town in Southern California, but I didn't get the race, and I wasn't actually crying upset, I was just kind of resigned like, oh oh well, I guess every everybody has some tragic turns and i I kind of just went with it
2: about that entry how how does it healed up pretty much does it is it still nagging? Does it plague you? I mean, how is that energy going to make a diff, Going to make going to matter as much going forward?
4: No, I'm pretty sure it's healed up completely 100%. It only took about four months for me to get back. We're ending in the track season, that injury was in November, and I was doing track again in March. That was in 20 March of 2020. No. 2019 so it's been a full year since that, that last track season i did and I'm totally ready to run competitively again that is not anything to me
2: we're gonna throw a little sci-fi in this show let's let's jump on the way forward machine and it's it's september you've got that blue and orange on boise state across your chest toe up to the starting line first cross-country race of the season what do you think will be going through
4: your head when that happens I think it's just going to be such a crazy mix of excitement, anxiety, pressure, and competitive juices going through my head. But overall, I'll just be happy knowing that I won the fight. It's great to race and see all of my teammates lined up with me. But I have my own personal story, which is I could defeat this legislature just from speaking out like I am right now, telling my story. To be just of a normal life and representing my school because I came here from a different state that says something that I really appreciate the school to go so far out of my way. I love Boise State. I'll be so happy and proud to wear their colors, and it'll sure be ex- an experience I'll remember for the rest of my life. <laughs> to tell my grandkids.
0: Wow, Governor Brad Little, don't crush this girl's dreams. We're so grateful to you. We're so happy that the ACLU uh, is doing their work and that you have stepped forward to be an example to everyone of what this governor and the legislature are trying to stop. And I hope that people hear this and join the cause. We're so grateful for uh, the ACLU for connecting us with you and for taking the time. It's a brave thing to do to talk out loud about yourself. And we're very grateful.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone here. Good luck, Wait.
0: Lindsay.
2: We'll be in touch. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thank you, everybody. We're sending coordinates for Idaho. Boise, Idaho. Well, that was great. And, Alex, we're so grateful that you joined us. Thank you. Yeah,
1: it was, it was great to be part of it. And, uh, you know, I think Carly asked a great question. You said to Lindsay, you know, what would you say to people who say you're just you're kind of transitioning flippantly and doing it for you know a potential advantage i thought she had a great answer to that um, and she's a great voice and uh, i think it's great to have her on
2: yes and I okay, i think i think we're going to be hearing a lot of this kid and there's something about wh- what we not only what we did here but what's going on right now that i've been thinking throughout this show one year ago kingsville texas CeCe Telfer became the first NCAA transgender student athlete to win a national championship. And here we are one years later, the baton being passed to that next generation. And I have a note to all the detractors, get used to it. And the future is now, and we're all rooting for Lindsey
0: Hecox. Absolutely. Thanks guys.